what the world is going through right now, and I don't even have to talk about it because anybody listening is aware of what we're going through. I feel, it may sound uh, unusual for me to say, I feel very strong in a sense mentally because of the experiences I've gone through prior to this moment in time. And because what I've learned over the years, which is part of the wonder technique, has given me the capacity to be resilient. But resilience to me is not about rebuilding yourself and getting up after a challenge. Resilience is things you put in place ahead of time. It's like having a, you know, having a battery cables in the trunk of your car. So if the car breaks down, you've got a way of jump-starting it. You've already acquired the tools. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. It's a bit of a somber morning today. My Toronto Raptors just got eliminated from the NBA playoffs and any Torontonian or Canadian is likely feeling the same way as I am. However, with that being said, I think this episode will have you feeling good in no time. Now, before I made the name change to Winning Streaks, I had already recorded a few episodes under the Blessed for Success brand. This is one of those episodes. 20 years ago, David Hennessy created a holistic personal development program called The Wonder Technique that has continued to evolve over the years. David has presented The Wonder Technique at hundreds of workshops and seminars and has recently created an online personal development program. His formal training is in psychology and nutrition, and he has traveled to over 20 countries and lived in a three-long-term commitment in those areas. His goal is to give the fundamental tools of personal development to everyone on the planet. David knows how to win. Let's find out how he does it. Mr. David Hennessy, welcome to the Blessed for Success podcast. Um, really great to have you here today. I know it's about 9 p.m. over there, your time. So um, oh, it's my pleasure you. to be here, Tender. Yeah, we'll appreciate you taking the time on a late night like this. And so I'll kick it off how I always kick off these episodes, which is I'd like to know at this moment in time, at this, on this particular day, you know, what are you most grateful for? Unquestionably, I'm grateful for my children. I have two wonderful boys that I've been as present as much as humanly possible by my own choice in my own life. Kind of reversed it in terms of most people. Uh, I've spent a lot of time with them as they grew up. And now as they move into their teenage years, they, they don't want to be as, with me as much, right? <laughs> which is understandable. But uh, so give them wings so that they can fly. And that's what I'm really grateful for is to see their progress, their growth, their independence. And that comes from doing my very best as a dad to support but not be in the way. And that's how I really like to help people in general is by giving them the tools and techniques they can use in their lives. Yeah. But let them decide when they want to use it. And in fact, Tenvir, I get the feeling that my children, some of this stuff has rubbed up on them, you know. And I'm, I'm hoping some more will in the sense that how they approach things. It's, mm -hmm. it's really interesting. They're very good students. And I can't take credit for that, really, but they're, they're very impressive as to how they're doing. So maybe I've had some positive input there. I don't know. 
Oh, I think you can definitely take some credit for that. Um, <laughs> what I noticed, because I have a little baby nephew as well, and um, you know, what I noticed with kids is that it really is learning from example. You know, mm-hmm. they don't see what, hear what you say, they see what you do. Um, and that's how they learn. And that's how they, you know, things like even just the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you exercise, the way you go about your day. Um, you know, that's where the questions come from because they see what you do and then they're curious and then you provide them that knowledge, that, that exchange of knowledge, but you know, they're also cute too. So (laughs) that's, uh, but they do notice one thing they will point. The greatest thing is they will point things out and say, Hey dad, why are you doing that? Like, or if I'm inconsistent, they will point it out. And I'm like, that's great. And the good thing is I've learned to listen as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So, because they will, they have no hesitation to lean back. And I think in the, in the workplace, we have to be very much open to listening. I think great leaders, it's definitely not a title. It's your capacity to be able to listen to people around you and support them. As against telling them what to do. And for parenting, in my experience, and I'm, I'm no expert, parenting is always a, a new thing for everybody, is the capacity to take the time and listen. And we look at what, is that right, what I'm suggesting to my son? Or is that helping him? And, and his feedback comes from a, a different space. Mm. But it's well worth listening to. So anytime somebody is a leader or starting a new career or a new job, and somebody might say something that seems a little bit out of place, you might say, maybe I should listen to that. Because when you look at the really successful business people and you look at the people nowadays that people look at what they've done, you think, selling books online? I mean, how's that going to work, right? Or the classic Airbnb, Brian Chesky, like right. renting out your couch? Like no one's ever going to do that. Right. And how wrong they were. I know the time is not perfect right now for people doing Airbnb, but the idea is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's by questioning and listening to alternatives. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And what you notice about a lot of the businesses nowadays, Airbnb being one of them, Air, yeah. uh, Uber being another one, yeah. um, you know, Amazon, none of these are actually their products. It's not their vehicles. It's not their, um, you know, rooms. They're just building a platform to do so. And yes. you've definitely invented something that, um, you know, you've made a name for yourself with, which is the wonder technique. Um, and I understand that that's, you know, it's part of your profession. It's what you coach people on. It's, it's, it's the core of, um, everything you've developed over a long period of time. Can you just talk about what the history of this wonder technique is and maybe just provide a framework for what it, um, for for what it is? Yeah, for sure. For, for those people who are taking the time to invest a piece of their life listening to us right now, Tanvir, as a very general image of the wonder technique, it is a very much holistic approach to personal development. And you can, by being holistic, I mean, it touches many different parts of our being, how we are. So it's not just about, you know, taking care of your mind. It's not just about taking care of your body. It incorporates everything. And when you look at, for example, to bring it right down to maybe somebody's listening and thinking, well, I'm, you know, I've got a really important interview for a new job tomorrow. I'd really love to be involved in that. You've got to look at all the dynamics that pair into that. Now, the, to just, I will give an example of that, first of all, and then I'll give you a little bit of history of the wonder technique. When you're preparing, for example, for an interview, you want to look at, am I ready for this meeting mentally? Have I taken the time to visualize this meeting being successful, which you can do? And we can talk a little bit more about how to do that. And I, 
I, I taught it to myself and I teach it to other people. Then you look at the idea like before we had this call today, I chose by my own volition not to eat for several hours. Why? Because I will be more mentally alert. So if you're going to a meeting you and that's important for you, meeting, talk, conversation, you know, brainstorming, you want to look at the impact of how you're physiologically functioning. Mm-hmm. That's part of the wonder technique as well. You also want to make sure, like I'm just leaning over it's right here, my water bottle. You want to make sure that you're properly hydrated. Okay, cheers. I'm gonna take a sip actually. I'm gonna, yeah, okay. cheers. Yeah, cheers. Okay. You want also to make sure that you have fresh air. How simple is that? Well, Every morning, every single morning, I make sure, because my office is at my home, I go outside and I get some fresh air, but I also get some sunlight on me. And somebody might say, why that, David? Well, why is that important? Because melatonin, which turns on your desire for you to go to sleep, turns on all the system for people to go to sleep, is turned off by sunlight. Mm. So there's all these different things that are, once you become aware of them, you can just kind of blend them into your life. And then you start to recognize how all these things work together. So the history of the wonder technique, for, for those who are curious listening, it actually came about it's 20 years old now. It's, it's getting old as, as the time goes by, but, but not getting, um, getting more refined as time goes by. It's like an onion. I've been peeling off the layers and anything that I haven't found that can really help people, I, w- I will delete. Okay. And the most recent thing, people wondering, well, what the biggest change that I made was when I realized in the last couple of years that in terms of when we eat, quality of food is important, quantity of food is important, but the timing of when we eat, which I just referred to, is also very important. Yeah. I just ate. <laughs> I just finished eating. And okay. uh, I don't know if you're a proponent of this, but for me, like for me personally, to be honest, yeah. just by far the, the, the preferred eating method for me is intermittent fasting. Um, I just find it so beneficial. <laughs> yeah, cheers yes, to that. Yes, I'm drinking one. No, intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting in the sense of time-restricted fasting, if that's what you mean, where you, you have a small period. Yeah. Yeah, this so is- I restrict my calories either between 12 to 8 or between 2 to 8 usually. Perfect. Um, and, and I just find that now, don't I love breakfast? Like I love it so much, especially like eggs and toast, and mm-hmm. um, you know some potato on the side. I love it, um, but I just find that throughout the day when I'm when I'm fasting, it feels better to not be bloated and and yeah. sluggish all the time, um, and I just do feel like I have maybe more energy throughout the day. Uh, and when I go to bed, I'm also not like full or anything before I go to bed, uh, and I, and I think that's a comfortable feeling to go to sleep with. Well, I hope everybody is taking notes on what you just said, because you beat me to it on that point, Tanvir, because when you restrict the period of time that you eat during the day, some people think that's very difficult to do, but in fact, you've already got a chunk of time when you go to sleep, and then it's just some time into the day. Scientifically, in the research, what's out there, it shows that when you have a period of time that's you know, between six to eight hour range that you eat, in your case, six, if you knock that off, that you've got 18 hours in a day when you're not eating. Mm-hmm. Of course, during those 18 hours of the day, there's still a period of that when you're digesting food. But the less time that your body is working on digesting food, the more time it's able to work on healing. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, when you go asleep at night without being feeling bloated or full, as you mentioned here, now I'm not a doctor, never pretend to be a doctor. I just have a certain knowledge of nutrition and understanding by looking at different things, how they infect, affect us and infect us in a positive way. And what you just mentioned there is when you go asleep and you've not just eaten, in other words, just a space between when you go asleep, roughly two to three hours, potentially, okay, your body will actually move into what's called an anabolic state much easier. There's catabolic and there's anabolic. And, and, and you can interrupt that pattern if your body is really still in digestion. Of course, our body's stomach works on gravity. So if you're lying down, it's really hard. So without going too deep into that topic, what you've touched on is something really important and that the wonder technique wraps around all those different ideas. Now the origin of the wonder technique came from back in the nineties when my mom had cancer the first time and the second time. And the real root of it was when I spent time with her going around to her medical appointments, basically just being supportive. My job was to help manage the stress that she was going through. Like she didn't ask me to do this. I just did this. And, and because I like to try and make complex things simple. And I think a lot of people make uh, complex things more complex, mm -hmm. which makes it more difficult for us to manage and makes things harder to deal with. But fundamentally, if you, if you try and decode things in the world, it's easier when you focus on the simplicity. And for her, I spent a lot of time working on trying to say, well, how can we put together all this medical advice from many different parameters you're getting? And that's what I focus on, the simplicity. And then over time, I built out the wonder technique. And in time, it has expanded in terms of the areas that it touches. But the simplicity is getting even more pure in the sense like taking a piece of coal, becoming more like a diamond. Mm. Because what you mentioned there is super powerful. The idea of restricting the period of time that you eat per day is, is a magic tool that a lot of people are looking at and not many people are really talking about. But people, yeah. individuals like yourself are experimenting with it. Yeah. And so it's a great thing. Hydration. When I started um, the Wonder Technique 20 years ago, people were starting to talk about hydration, but they were not talking about sleep. And now sleep is a big issue right now. I don't know if you can see the dark circles under my eyes, but sleep <laughs> is, is, is arguably my biggest issue. And I can, oh, by the way, before we get into anything else, disclaimer for everyone listening, um, you know, before you try any of these methods discussed in this podcast, please see your yes. physician. Yes. I don't want to get sued. Yes. Um, me too. Me too. Yeah, full disclosure. Yeah. yeah yes. Full disclosure. Exactly. Um, Do your own research. Yes. But sleep is definitely um, probably the one thing that I just haven't been able to get down pat. I feel like, you know how people say morning person, night owl. I definitely am a bit more of a night owl. I get okay. work done at night. I, um, But I also procrastinate at night. I tend to like, Right now, especially, been just kind of relaxing till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes, um, and then wake up at you know pretty late. So, what are your recommendations around sleep? Because it's obviously very important. Okay, you just touched on something there, which is your chronotype. You know, there's there's night owls and and there's morning larks. Okay, but then there's also the people that rest in between. From what I know, and if people are listening and you want to go deep and see a lot of science and and learn a lot of stuff, Matthew, Matthew Walker wrote a book quite. Why We Sleep, I believe yes. is the title of it, if you have read that or not. But this didn't exist when I started The Wonder Technique. But uh, one of the things to be aware of is you know, some people say you have to get up early, be an early riser, extra, and all that. And there's all this kind of trend behind it. And I say, wait a second, because you're asking me about recommendations for sleep. First of all, you have to identify where is your pattern. There's about 40% of the population are people that actually are night owls. 
like you mentioned, time period of potentially you are from, you know, when you look at your history, there's 30% of people which are morning larks, which people love to get up early, but then in the afternoon, early evening, they're just gone, right? So you, you your energy starts to go up during the day and then you're still late at night. Mm-hmm. Then there's another 30% which are like me. We kind of flow in between the two. Now, what's really interesting about that is people will say, you know, talking about hacking sleep and all this stuff again. But the whole idea is that, wait a second here, why are we like that? Well, as human beings, if we all slept eight hours a night from like, say, 10 o'clock at night till six in the morning, centuries ago, thousands of years ago, we were extremely vulnerable when we were living in caves. It's part of our genetic programming that we were actually a group of us could stay up really late to protect the tribe. And a group of us could get up really early. It was very functional. So there's a reason behind that. So somebody says, oh, everybody's doing this. They're getting up early. I should be doing it. You have to look at where your pattern is, where your level of energy is, where you're most creative, and work towards that. What Don't work towards something you're struggling with, but listen to your body, listen to your mind, and see where you're most creative. Mm-hmm. Now, for simple tools and tips, and really these things you, you want to get in place First, if you're going to make sure you're going to get a good night's sleep. And our fundamental principles is when you sleep in a dark room, as dark as you can get it. And if you sleep in a room with somebody else, then wear something over your eyes like they have on an airplane. Somebody else who prefers to have light. Now, there's some, quote unquote, I don't have the science to prove this, but there's something about people who have lighter covered eyes, like blue eyes as against brown eyes, they're more susceptible to light. Not sure, but it's something just to be aware of. So you want to be in a dark room where like you've got curtains in the summertime that it's really dark. Because what happens is you fully engage melatonin, which is that hormone, which turns on all the mechanisms for sleep. The second thing is your room cannot be so warm. It should be cool, but not too cold. Yeah, okay? a little in between. Yeah, a little in between a good temperature. You don't want to be sweating in the bed. Some people have too many blankets. You want to make sure that your body is has a cooler temperature. That also helps you go to sleep. The next thing to be aware of as well is some people say, well, yeah, I'm in a cold room, but my feet are cold. If you can wear um, loose-fitting socks, they're not too restrictive, that can help because sometimes people get cold feet, mm. and that can happen. Another thing is what you mentioned about the timing as to when you eat before you go to sleep. That's going to impact you. And from the research that I've read in the science, I, that if people, you know, when we go into sleep, and we'll, if we have the chance to, uh, on, on our, in our conversation here, Tamber, we'll talk a little bit about the framing of the day, which can be valuable to your audience about. And part of it is you, as you go to sleep at night, you move to our active brain level of, of beta, but we move into non-REM sleep and then REM sleep. And why I'm mentioning this right now, I don't want the audience to get too caught in the, in the technical terms. REM sleep is when our brain consolidates information that we've learned during the day. So if you've been to a new training workshop, you want that consolidation of items in your memory. Right. Okay. If you have drank, drank alcohol before you go to sleep, it will interrupt this REM sleep. Right. So for people, I mean, you make your own choices in your own life, but you just have to be aware about how your body functions to be at your optimum level for when you're doing things. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's, the reason, that's why I didn't eat before the call. Yeah. I, you know, I could have, but I didn't. Because when you know your body and you listen to it, you choose. Like when I did my first marathon, I, I, I practiced a certain way and I listened to how my body would function through the process. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know what? I didn't listen to what everybody else was doing. I wanted to see how was something going to work for me. Mm-hmm. 
But um, before I start talking about that framework, I, I prefer you lead the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's fascinating, kind of how you mentioned the different important aspects of it. Um, you know, on the sleep side, one thing that I do do is that uh, you show it here for those maybe watching on video in the future, they'll be able to see. I I dim the lights down and I use this as like a lantern instead. Okay. To yes. like slowly transition myself into a sleepier state over time. So that's one yes. thing I do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always an ever growing experimentation. I think that's how you learn more about your body and learn more about, you know, um, what it responds to well and what it doesn't. Um, now, David, I am, I want to step back just a little bit because you mentioned that the wonder technique was developed, uh, when your mother was going through, you know, her cancer stages. And I, and I want to revisit that because sure. when you develop a system like that, like you said, you make complex, complex things into simple typically it comes from a personal an area of personal um difficulty as well mm -hmm. what were you going through at that time you know obviously your mother was going through that but what were you specifically going through at that time in order to come you know come about and, and bring bring out this technique okay i don't know if we've talked about that before but i mean for i'd gone through university in psychology and i was really interested in psychology for a long time but at that very moment in time I was going through a work situation that was a crisis for me. And for those people listening, I have, there's a two-part history to this, which is really intriguing how it panned out. I was working in sales. I was working which in sales. I am right state, now. And I had that mentality at that point in time where I was going to work with everybody and sell something to everybody. I was working in real estate. That was a misunderstanding of human beings and made it extremely stressful for me. I was financially successful, but I wasn't at all happy. My stress was like all over the place. And even though, and this is like predates the construction of the wonder technique, even though I had learning from school, I didn't know how to apply things. And what had happened was, is I started then to start thinking about these different things. And at that time, um, just prior to when my mom was diagnosed, uh, for, with cancer, I started to do, I'd taken trainings in nutrition and everything. So I'm not completely zero on those things at all. Right. And, and in fact, uh, I, I've read a lot. I, I'm the kind of person who reads the scientific journal. When there's a, a citation in an article mm -hmm. in the newspaper, I go read the journal because I want to know the study, the validity and everything on it. So I will go deep on it. So I was going through a personal crisis as to figure out, well, you know, and I'm, this is not so good. It wasn't as deep as other crises that I hit more recently in my life. Mm -hmm. But it, I think that the way it is, is that life presents us with an opportunity because I decided to, when my, my mom was diagnosed, I should take a pause in my life for my work. So I stopped working for a year. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to do that. And that actually tailors into something I would like to bring up is that you can't do something like that if you're not good at saving money. Mm. And I recommend to everybody that there's something that I, it's a, a phrase I will use from somebody that some people may know, some people are not, but I want to give credit to anybody who's, who's shared a phrase that I know. Dr. Oz um, once said, and I was listening to him being interviewed, he said, create a peace of mind account financially where you put away some money and it's not money for you to save for something. You're not saving for a holiday, a car, a house, nothing. You're saving money so that when you have important decisions to make, you don't feel financially stressed. Mm. Okay, it's that little buffer. It's like, I want to make a change of career, but what if? Well, I have some money saved. And you basically scrape some money off every time you earn. Always you scrape the money off and you put it aside. 
it's it's that simple it becomes a habit where you really don't pay any attention to anymore and nowadays you can really easily automate that but you make it a habit and and you know what i've i've got friends who retired in their 40s because they had that habit from a very young age mm -hmm. so it's 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 very valuable and that ties into a holistic approach to how you live your life so i took that time out and i spent the time with my mom and i have to say She's doing well. She's still living. It's, it's a long time since she had the cancer. And uh, yeah, she's a great lady. Very strong. Very strong in her mind. Like she was committed to, to making it true. Well, I'm, I'm most certainly sure you impacted that um, with what I would, I would like to always say I would downplay my impact. I'm just, I'm just very grateful. It was, she had a lot of good doctors around her too, but I'm glad I had the opportunity to be close by her. Mm -hmm. Blessed that she's you know, doing well and, and glad to hear that. Um, yeah. You did mention a little bit in there uh, that it's it's not as much, at least what you were going through at that time is not as much compared to more recent crises. And I'm curious, um, you don't have to go to details, obviously, if you don't want to, but um, okay. curious as to how the Wonder Technique, which you have developed, has helped you through those events um, or things that have happened more recently. Yes, actually. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why I'm very grateful for this opportunity to share with your audience is because what the world is going through right now, and I don't even have to talk about it because anybody listening is aware of what we're going through. I feel, it may sound uh, unusual for me to say, I feel very strong in a sense mentally because of the experiences I've gone through prior to this moment in time. And because what I've learned over the years, which is part of the wonder technique, has given me the capacity to be resilient. But resilience to me is not about rebuilding yourself and getting up after a challenge. Resilience is things you put in place ahead of time. It's like having a, you know, having a battery cables in the trunk of your car. So if the car breaks down, you've got a way of jump-starting it. You've already acquired the tools. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, started developing the Wonder Technique in 1999. And in 2009, I moved from Canada with my children who were quite young at the time to France very rapidly, leading into what you're asking about. And by doing that, I dumped a lot of stress on my life because I didn't speak the French language. I moved to France. That's where I'm speaking from now. And, but I did because my mother-in-law was really ill. So it was, for, it was for a good reason, but I put myself in a difficult position because all my work has only ever been through my word, through speaking. Right. And I cut myself off from that when I didn't speak the language in the country. And there's a small amount of people who speak English in France. It's not, not a lot of people depending on the area. Like I live in a village where I'm the only Anglophone in the village and there's about 2,000 people. No way. Yeah, so that kind of gives you perspective. Like I mean, if, you, if I lived in Paris, there'd be more people. If I was in Cannes or in Nice, maybe, you know, but in the other areas, there's not so many. So, and I don't expect people to change the language so they can understand me. So, but um, what happened at that point in time is a lot of things happened. I, because I, right away I couldn't find work. Once again, having savings helped buffer that a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the transition. But eventually it became more challenging. But I believe that it didn't knock me over because of what I know about, a true, about you know, keeping stability in my life. And I was tested more and more times, Tanvir. Um, people listening might have had the same experience. I was in France uh, a year and a half and my dad had a stroke. My dad was one of my most important mentors in my life. He was the first person who ever talked to me about personal development. I didn't listen to him at the time. Okay, mm -hmm. I, was, I was young. I wasn't listening to him. But 
he was the one who started talking to him. And in fact, um, if there's the opportunity, I will just share it right now. I, anybody who becomes part of my my newsletter community, Wonder Technique, they get something that actually was inspired by my dad. I have a package of things I give away. And one of them is it's a template for mini motivational cards. And these little cards are little phrases that my dad, you know, they're not the same phrases as what he said, but they're phrases on the same line. And they're in, very importantly, they're in the present tense. Mm-hmm. I feel clarity in my life. You know, I am courageous. This is all programming for your mind. And the little cards that you can cut up and you can put in your wallet, you can leave in your car in the glove box, leave it, you mentioned Uber, leave it in an Uber if you're in an Uber. Like, and that's, that's what I call um, positive litter. You know, you're littering, but you're leaving a positive note for somebody. So, but um, my dad was a great influence in that way over time. So when he had the stroke and he died when I was going to Canada to see him, it was extraordinarily difficult for me to manage that. And I, took, I, I, I feel for anybody who's lost a parent and not been able to be there when it's happened. Because this is, everybody has their own experience, but I know what this was like. And then my mother-in-law died. So the person I'd moved to France for, to be supportive for her. So things just started a compound. And rather than going, let's, let's move to the positive side here, is that what I learned, and this is really important for people listening, I believe, and take from it what they want, is that when you're going through difficult times, if you're starting a new career, you're making a choice for school, you're thinking about, you know, you're starting your, if a new family, wherever you are in your life, or even if you're moving towards retirement, it doesn't matter. If you're going through difficult times, you have to pay very close attention to when you're talking about the difficulties. Now, why I'm mentioning that is, is because we have the thoughts inside our minds, right? We're thinking about, God, why is this going this way? Why does this happen to me? All those things that go with it. I've got wonderful friends that have always been around me. And when I was going through these difficult times, including, which I didn't mention yet, that I had a rock climbing accident and I couldn't walk for six months, like all these things were compounding up. It was like I was attracting all the wrong stuff into my life. Mm. I was talking with my friends and they were saying, you know, David, this is what's going on here. And, but they would listen. They were very kind to listen. But at one point in time, and I really can't mark that time, roughly around 2015, 16, I finally decided in my mind, I got to stop talking about these things because I acknowledged that they had happened. But when I was talking to other people about the Tanvir, it was like I was mentally reliving them. So I want to say that to people that you can take this and frame it. If you don't get that job interview, if you don't get to go out on that date, if all those different things in your life, if you ruminate, as we say in English, think about them a lot, you actually are focused on the problem and not focused on where you want to go. So you have to shift your mind away from that. So what I started to do, and that's when I developed another kind of leg to the wonder technique that you and I talked about a little bit before, um, and I'd like to share with your listeners, if you want, is the protocol of, of how I begin and end the day mm-hmm. that I've been using in my life and that I've been sharing with other people. There's science behind it, but there's also application. If it's a good time, I'll share it right now. If not, I can wait. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear, love to hear okay. more about it. Yeah. 
Okay. What I what I, I realized at that point in time was to stop talking about things negatively and really focus on what there's a lot of talk about right now is about being grateful. But on a certain level, like before at nighttime, I recognized that if I wrote down five things to be grateful for, they didn't have to be, I got the big job, I got on the big date. No, nothing. I am I have a bed to sleep in. I had food on the table, you know, my children are healthy, you know. There's hair growing on my head. It doesn't matter. Just simple. I've air to breathe, right? You know, because not everybody in the world has got a fresh air to breathe. I would just write down five things because that's framing my brain before I go to sleep in a state of gratitude. And is the key to gratitude that not everybody talks about Tanvir? It's not just the words; it's the emotion you attach to it. And when things pop up rapidly, like I'm grateful for the food that I have, I'm grateful for this opportunity to chat with you today. There's an emotional attachment to that, and you're more likely to remember it. So as I go to sleep at night, I, I focus on those things. And then when I'm going to sleep, I pay attention to what's uh, the, the levels of my cognition. As we're talking right now, most people, I hope, that are listening are in what's called beta, which means you're alert and you're listening. Now, if you, if you need to go to sleep, I understand. I totally understand because we all do need sleep. So, but when you, as you transition into sleep, um, I remember I was chatting with a lady recently and she said, you mean like when you're going into that twilight zone? I said, yeah that kind of hazy gray feeling. This is scientifically, you're moving into what's called from beta to alpha to theta. So think of the acronym B-A-T, BAT. If you want to memorize that, it's not necessarily important for you to remember the brainwave types, but to understand that you're going through that and there's something going on. When you move into that phase, you're actually moving from your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is much more open. You have a wonderful opportunity to import positive things into what's running us mostly on a daily basis, our subconscious system. You know what? If we as humans had to remember to turn on the liver in the morning, turn on the kidneys, we'd probably forget, right? You know, it's like all that stuff that runs automatically. It's an incredible system that we've been blessed with. And that allows us to continue our life. So at that moment in time, I start to think about the things, not only that I'm grateful for that I have, but different parts of my life that I want to see happen, but with feeling an emotion, like creating a film. Now, um, for those people that are listening, I kind of give you a general picture. It's not just about, you know, you might think about the next day, I'm exploring this opportunity about work, I'm exploring this opportunity, whatever, it is, fill in the blank, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, if yeah. it's about your career, okay, you can be thinking about what can I, you know, where do I want to be in my career and see that happening. But I also highly recommend people because what we're going through at this moment in time in the world, people have forgotten other parts of that experience that we need to remember. As I'm going to sleep at night, for example, I will think about my physical body, okay? Kind of checking in with my body that I'm grateful for that my, you know, my heart is beating, my lungs are healthy, all this sort of stuff. So you're acknowledging and listening to yourself, right? And you're breathing and everything. So physical is important. I'm grateful for, I run through in my mind, grateful for my relationships. Right. Okay. And I run through those things. So all the different parts of your life, you think I'm grateful that I have the money that I receive for the value that I give. Okay. So I, I, all those different things. And then if I drift into sleep as I'm thinking about this, this is okay. Because I'm thinking about things that are positive that I want to see happen. The reverse happens in the morning when I wake up as I transition, because you transition from that lower brain wave to the higher brain wave activity. I go through the same pro I don't get out of bed until I've gone through that protocol. 
I refuse to let myself get out, okay? Because I wanted the experience that will happen. And then beside my bed, I have a notebook. Now it's a notebook. It's not a phone. The phone doesn't get turned on. I write down points of grateful. Like this morning when I wrote, one of the things was I was grateful that we had this podcast. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, okay. And in a positive way that it went well. I mean, yeah. like I see that happening and there's something very powerful about that. Some people listening might say, David, this is a little bit unusual, but I do believe that how we put things out into the world, the world comes back. I so agree. Smile at people. Please yeah. go ahead. You've got something. No, I agree. I think, I think, especially with this personal development thing for the longest time. And you said like, you probably, you didn't listen to your father when you were a kid about it. Neither did I. My, my you know, my parents used to try to get me to read books and do this and that. And I was like, ah, yeah. whatever, you know, um, they think it's all of this hocus pocus, this mumbo jumbo, self-development, personal development mindset stuff. And I was the same for the longest time until you actually start doing the things that, that are required there. You know, I do morning meditation now almost every morning. Um, if, if not 10 minutes, I try to do a minute, you know, of just yeah. really deep breathing and, and um, kind of presence in the moment and talk about three things that I'm grateful for for the past day and three things that I'm grateful for in, about myself. Like, what, did I, what do I like that I did in the past day that, that were, and it could be small things like, yeah. oh, um, I don't know, I gave a tip at this restaurant that made me feel good or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I messaged a friend and followed up on how they're doing, you know, stuff with small little things like that are the things that we can be grateful for. It doesn't, like you said, need to be these grand gestures, these incredible things. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you talked about one, you talked about kind of waking up in the morning. I'm really curious because this is probably the one thing that I struggle with the most, um, which is it's really not a good habit to wake up and look at your phone, right? It's really not a great habit to wake up and start scrolling through notifications and I agree. bombarded with everything that you got from the previous day. But my phone is also my alarm. Um, how do you go about waking up? Do you have like a separate alarm clock? And then what's your process for okay. you know, ultimately getting to your phone? Full disclosure. My phone is my alarm clock too, but it's on airplane mode. Okay. So, and that blocks out Wi-Fi, everything it's on. Okay, maybe it doesn't block out everything, but on airplane mode, it's like nothing can come through, Mm -hmm. but the phone still operates as an alarm. But you know what? If you really, really can't control that, an ideal thing is just buy an old-fashioned alarm clock. I don't use an old-fashioned alarm clock because the ticking used to keep me awake. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> So that's the truth. But um, that's what I do. And now some people, you know, they will have to hide the phone outside the room and that, which is probably ultimately better if you have, you know, but if you want to work on it, I would say just turn the thing onto alarm, onto, uh, onto um, uh, airplane mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing you can do when you're working as well. You know, people are always pinging and banging and calling you and stuff. But when you want to focus on your time, I did a little video about two minute video recently that I put on YouTube, and a lot of people really liked it because I called it airplane mode. And it was when we were kids, we used to pretend we were airplanes, like you know, running around. But it was playing on the idea that we have fun when we turn things off, and that's part of what you mentioned about personal development. There's a beautiful thing here. I'm going to share with you an analogy. When I trained in martial arts for years, when I reached my black belt, my my instructor told me that, David, this is when you start learning. It's only at that point. Now, you got to see the analogy. The black belts often are made from silk, okay? And inside they're white. And over time, they fray and they start to go white. So you can see uh, people that have trained in a martial art for a long time and the art in the, not all arts were belts, that the black belt is becoming white. Mm-hmm. 
And in personal development, I mean, I, I'm grateful that I, I mean, I've steeped my mind in for a long time. I've noticed over the last 20 years what things start to shed away, meaning it becomes simpler and clearer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Almost like, and this is the first time I've taught this analogy and shared it with somebody directly outside of my mind about the black belt, because that's part of it. It's like, it's the simplification starts to arrive. And some people listening might say, well, Tanvir, David, this is all easy. Yeah, you've been doing it for a while. How can I start doing that? Can I share some tips to help people kind of make some habits easier? Absolutely. I think that would be a great, uh, great way okay. to get people on their way. Okay. One of the things is, and I, you know, David doesn't always agree with other people's protocols. Okay. Because for example, some people say, if you have an activity you want to do and you don't really like it, you should tie it to another activity that you like. I disagree. Okay. My protocol is if you have an activity that you really like and you want to learn a new habit, tie it to something that you want to do. For example, if somebody says, I don't like running, but I listen to a, um, a podcast because I enjoy the podcast gets me running. I'm saying to you, you're not thinking about this, but you're creating an internal conflict in your mind. It's like the people who say, when you live by a train, eventually you get used to it because you don't know it anymore. No, it's still driving your brain crazy. It's just numbing it out, but it takes energy to do that. But it doesn't take energy when you combine something with something you like with something else. For example, if you find that you do enjoy walking, let's say, for example, in nature, and you decide, well, you know what, I really want to nourish relationships with friends, invite a friend along with you. So you've got two positives at the same time. So you're putting together something you want to make a habit of, something habitual at the same time. Now, you can map in together anything. It could be, like, for example, another idea. Is a running example? Sorry, if you don't mind. Like, just All right, go back to the running example. Yeah, in the running context, like, how would you describe that as, like, a positive, positive? Well, okay, you would, to, okay, here's something really good. I would recommend that if you, two positive actions you can tie together here. Once again, I'm probably going to say something people won't like. If you enjoy running, and running can be good for your body as long as you're gentle with it, okay, and pay attention to what you're running on. If you're going to run, I would recommend, of course, not a doctor, never was, okay, just, just pair, pair, people listen to this idea. Run on ground that isn't hard because it, hard ground is going to hurt your knees, okay, over time. Running outside is better because why? Because you're, you know, the benefit is you're running. That's first of all, it's a physical activity. It's good for your heart, good for your body. If you take that and want to make a habit where you're outside, you go outside, you're going to be running where there's fresh air, meaning where there's trees and not cars. Why trees? Because they produce oxygen, not carbon dioxide. Okay, so you're getting multiple benefits by running outside. So you can compare that and add in another activity. I mean, just run, if you were running in a gym, sorry for everybody listening, if you run in a gym, you're not getting the same benefits as somebody who's running outside. Okay. And I, and I think it will be hard for somebody to really grind me down on that one there. I mean, sure, there's the placement um, you're moving around. You might have to move around a location, but you're possibly also going to enjoy the running more because you're changing environment. Because a lot of people, when they run in the same place all the time, they get bored. And they lose interest in the activity. But in fact, it was really good. Did I answer your question at all? I'm not sure. You did. You, together. you okay. did. Um, I think the, the thing that I was wondering, because you originally said that if you don't enjoy running, but then you listen okay. to the podcast. Okay. I'll give, sorry, I should answer yeah. that in that way. For me, for example, um, if you don't enjoy running, you shouldn't continue doing it. You should find another physical activity. For me, I'm a big hiker. And people say to me, wow, you, that's a great exercise. And I say, yeah, exercise is a side effect of me hiking. Like I rock climb a lot too now. I've recovered from the rock climbing engine and everything. 
And I can't spend 10 minutes working out with weights because it's not interesting to me. Yeah. When I'm pulling my body up a cliff or I'm helping somebody come down a cliff, I'm using a lot of my muscles. I can feel it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I'm bringing the physical activity into another environment where I actually enjoy it. So some people, for example, they may not like rock climbing, may not like hiking, may like running, but they love dancing. Dancing is a physical activity. Don't underestimate it. So you can, what you want to do is find an activity that you really enjoy, that you're excited about. Then you won't need any motivation to jump out of bed and do it. You just have to find something. And there's many, many different choices for when we're talking about physical activities. You can find something. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe there's just something in your domain that you've always thought, I'd like to do that. So I highly recommend that if you're looking for a physical activity, find something you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then you will continue doing it. Yeah, I'm the. It's funny. I'm the exact same way. It's uh, I I love getting active and I love getting fit, but I find that like I just get way too bored of weight weightlifting. I don't particularly enjoy it a whole lot. I do like I do like setting a record once in a while, but yeah. for the most part, like it's just not fun to me. It's very like uh, monotonous and, and boring. So I love boxing, you know, or I like love jumping rope, or I love playing like any sport. So I try yeah. to like box and and punch the heavy bag or. Um, you know, jump rope or hopefully when things open up again, get back into like Muay Thai classes and stuff. So th those are the yeah. things that are just, it's so much more fun for me than just lifting weights. And, but for some people weight and weight, lifting weights, they actually have fun with it. And so it's like, yes. there's no particular, like if anyone ever tells you this is the way and this is the only way, mm -hmm. they're most, they're 90% probably wrong, right? There's so many different mm -hmm. ways to achieve a similar result. Um, rather than just one specific way. So, so one piece of recommendation um, yeah, on that part. For but, sure. Yeah. This is really interesting, actually. And you're tying it to something that this is where I peel things back. I read a book in, I think it was 98, that was called 120-Year Diet. Uh, maybe the author's name was Walford. Um, but he talked a lot about the people in Okinawa. And he, they were, at that time, was one of the largest documented communities on centurions. There's a reason behind me mentioning this here. It's related to movement and exercise. And he studied these people because there was a lot of people living over 100 years of age in that area that were documented. You have to remember that in Japan, they've had birth certificates since the 1800s. There's other parts of the world where there's been people, they say, like in the Himalayas or in Russia and different parts of that um, uh, that had longevity, but there was no documentation to prove it. And sometimes they found that the son was pretending to be the dad because he had the same name. So there's all kinds of stuff. But in Japan, it was regulated. So in Okinawa, as being a Japanese island, they were able to do that. What Walford found out was, is that these people, they were, there's a couple of important factors. They had a certain diet. Okay, we'll leave that on the side here for a moment. They were great gardeners. They loved dancing. And they love spending time together as a community socializing. Now, hang on, let's decode that just a little bit here. The gardening, when you, if you've ever gardened, there's a lot of physical activity, shoveling, moving, lifting earth, dirt. If you've ever done that stuff without machinery, you're physically using a lot of your body. So the, 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 they were getting their physical activity. This is why, you know, you, you see people years ago compared to nowadays, maybe when they're using machinery and I haven't, I haven't worked on a farm, so I don't know. But in the past, physically, you would have been very strong to work on a farm because you were doing a lot of physical stuff. Mm -hmm. So he, they were able to decode that as part of the research for these people that were living so long was because they were physically active and it was part of their everyday life. Got it. 
Yeah, like so right that's now. really good. So, but I mean, you know what? I'm nothing against people doing weightless fun over and out. If you enjoy it, continue with it because there's part of the cognitive part that's really important. You've got to feel good about what you're doing. That maps into many different parts of your life relationships, foods that you eat, your work that you're doing. You want to make sure that your goals are internally motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very important. Absolutely. That's all part of the, the development journey. And that's what you've spent a career kind of creating and making. And it's been exciting to hear more about yes. kind of some of the different concepts that are involved in the wonder technique. Obviously, um, if you want to learn more or if the listeners want to learn more, definitely sign up to your newsletter, which I'll, I'll get you to mention in a bit. But uh, yeah. kind of the, the question I always um, end things off with, uh, in short, you know, what does success look like for you moving forward? What do things look like for me moving forward? What does success look like for you moving forward? Ah, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on something that Earl Nightingale said, and that was a phrase introduced by my dad. And Earl said, success is a progressive realization of a wordy ideal. And that's Earl Nightingale who said that. And to me, success is the continuation of my project of the Wonder Technique to share it with as many people as possible that are willing to listen and to explore that. So that's, it's a continuous process. It's a journey for me. I'm not a person, I have to say that I don't push to found people. I'm excited and passionate about what I'm doing, but I wait for the opportunity. It's like, you know, the student arrives when, when the, you know, that kind of story, the teacher arrives when the student is ready, pardon me. Mm-hmm. So I'm available to people. They can reach out to me if it's not the right time in their life, because I have an online of, personal development program from I just mentioned that mm-hmm. that means that people can study on their own segments of what I've been talking about today and there's a lot more to it at their own pace because everybody's schedule is different yeah and where can where can my audience find you where can they okay. find you online thank you for the opportunity it's the wondertechnique.com very simple this is the best way as I like simplicity, I like to make it the easiest place. They look there, thewondertechnique.com. You'll see where they can get the special gifts. You'll see where there's the membership site. You'll see access to all the videos that I have. And those videos are intentionally short, managing time for people. So everything is clustered around thewondertechnique.com. And if they don't somehow amazingly don't find it, my name is David Hennessy. And they can attach that to it and then they will find it. So yeah. Appreciate very much the opportunity, Tandra. I know you have a very busy day too. So. No, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time, especially that late at night over there. And, um, you know, it's been a pleasure. It's been a very dynamic conversation. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes uh, so people are going to be able to find you. And, um, you know, again, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I've had a great time uh, chatting with you on here. Thank you very much, Tanvir, And to everybody listening, thank you very much for your time as well, listening in. Awesome.